Here we go. You ready, sweetie? I'm ready. My name's Todd Adams. What's your, what's your name? This is Kathy Adams. Hi, Kathy Adams. Hi. How's it going? Good. And stuff. Um, Zen Parenting Radio. This is episode number 210, sweetie. Yes. And Zen Parenting Radio is a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom and a logical and practical dad. We have three daughters, ages 7, 10, and 11, and our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, to become a better you. And always remember, sweetie, that our motto is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Hey, and you know something cool with that? What? So Dr. Daniel Siegel says that quote, or at least we've attributed it to him, and it looks like we get to meet him. Hopefully. In a few weeks. Hopefully. We got a busy weekend there. I know, but we're going to California and we're going to go see our friend Reverend Ed Bacon and Daniel Siegel is going to be speaking at his church. Bacon and lettuce and tomato. That's right. Um, So we are going to talk about connections and shifts in parenting a child. Okay. You with me on that? I am. I want, this was, this was my go-to. And we have a, um, a listener's question that kind of plays right into that. So I'm going to read that, but first a little self-promotion. Um, we are screening a movie called The Mask You Live In, and we actually saw it yeah. on Friday. We were lucky enough to get um, access to screening it online. We so, got a screener. Is that what it's called? Yeah, and it's not something we can share because it has a bunch of like watermarks all over it. Yeah, they do that on purpose. But they do they do that so we could see it before we promote it for you. So it's about um raising boys in this crazy world. And it was really good, but first I want to play just a little bit mm. of the trick. What? It doesn't have to be a crazy world, right? I mean in this awesome world. That's right. We got there. Sweetie, crazy doesn't have to be bad. Why True. do you always have to think negatively? <laughs> so here's uh 50 seconds of the trailer. In good times, guys are like really close to each other, but when things get a little bit worse, you're on your own. From middle school, I had four really close friends. Once I kind of went into high school, I struggle finding people I can talk to because I feel like I'm not supposed to get help. Our kids get up every morning. They have to prepare their mask for how they're going to walk to school. A lot of our students don't know how to take the mask off. What is it you don't let people see? Almost 90% of you have pain and anger on the back of that paper. If you never cry, then you have all these feelings stuffed up inside of you, and then you can't get them out. They really buy into a culture that doesn't value what we've feminized. If we're in a culture that doesn't value caring, doesn't value relationships, doesn't value empathy, you are going to have boys and girls, men and women go crazy. That's right. Don't go crazy. Don't go crazy. So do you want to give your two cents? Since we've seen it, we can speak informed. Yeah. So I'll say this. Um, Obviously, from the clips that we've shared with you, and hopefully you've seen the trailer online, it's very powerful. Um, And like Todd said, it's about raising boys in our culture, but I also believe that it's for men, um, meaning that it's it's about healing. Um, If you are a grown man, this will resonate with you, meaning it's not just about young boys, because this is not about a what can we do for the young boys. This is about, as a culture, how can we reframe redefine masculinity because right now the way that we have it defined is detrimental That's right. to our society. So if I can have, uh, I want everybody to see it, men and women and high school boys and girls. Yeah. we um, After seeing it, Todd and I decided that we 
felt comfortable promoting it for um, high school and above. If you're if and, you have a child who's a high freshman, school, high school is like thirteen, and there might be some thirteen year olds. So that's discretionary. That's discretionary. It, this is what I'll say: junior, so and senior, you know. and above. I think you're good. Freshman, sophomore. I think there's discretion, depending on your child's personality yeah. and your relationship with them and what you know they can handle. But the reason that it is for that age group is there is discussion and commentary and even some. Um, uh, pictures uh, regarding rape culture because our boys are exposed to rape culture and many boys play a part in rape culture. Mm -hmm. And there's also a lot of discussion, uh, some photography or some pictures about pornography because our boys are so overexposed to pornography. There's also language, but that's not what worries me. It's not swear words. It's about the scenes that are shown. And, you know, if you have a child or a son who doesn't even know what rape culture is, or you've never talked to them about what that It'll is. It'll catch them off guard. It's going to catch them off guard. So you, you're going to have to use your, your discretion as a parent. But the way that Todd and I are framing this or marketing this, this is for parents. This yeah. is for adults. Um, and we, you know, Todd and I were talking about when we, that night comes to see this movie and we look out in the audience, we obviously want to see a lot of moms and women, but we hope we just, we see just as many dads That's and right. men because- a lot of times when we do stuff like this, the moms show up and say, you know, parenting. And then the moms have to come back and try to communicate yeah. an hour and a half documentary followed by a – because we're going to have a discussion afterwards. A short one. A short one. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I really hope the dads are able to put it on their calendar. Because it's not just about being a dad to your son. It's about you. Yes. So the women are going to get something out of this for sure, but the men are definitely going to get something out of this. So we're really just saying, you know, make it a date night. And if you have daughters, that it's important that- that, just as important. That your daughters understand what it's like to be a boy because sometimes it's not so easy. Absolutely. like Just like it's not easy being a girl. It's exactly like this is, we're all about balance here. If you are a parent of- girls don't think that this isn't relevant to you. Right. It is. Um, so it's just, we're, we're really looking forward to it and we think it's going to be a powerful night. So here are the details. Um, it's Wednesday, March 11th at York Theater, which is in Elmhurst. Seats are limited. Don't delay, sweetie. The move isn't, uh, we already talked about that. Well, the reasons that seats are limited is because it's only a one night showing. We only have this movie for one night. One night. Yeah. So this is not like a movie that you can go see Whenever it's convenient for you, we are screening it one night at one time. Mm-hmm. So it's a one time shot. It's a one time shot. So the the thing is, is we already know that it's going to be, um, a, hopefully a full house. Mm-hmm. Like hopefully that there there is a full audience. Whatever happened to um, turn it down just a little bit. You can't sing through this. I cannot sing through it. It's just a little loud. I I, I don't know this show. Um, Do they say full house in the theme? No. But one thing I will say is I can't think of their names. What Bob Saget. I know, but what are their names on Dave the show? Dave Coolier. You're reading the promo. Candace Cameron. <laughs> Jody Sweeten. Yes. And, and who could forget Mary Kate and Ashley? Well, I was just gonna say Jody Sweeten. And Lori Laughlin. She's cute. Yeah, she is cute. I always loved her hair. I remember like wanting my hair like Lori Laughlin. Um Jody Sweeten had some serious issues. She might be better now, but I she got so. it. She had some real drug issues. So why do we play that theme? Because song? it's a full house. It's going to be a we're full gonna house. We're going to have a full house. What were their names? What were their real names on the show? Barney. Joey? No, that's friends. Is it Joey? I think Joey is the guy that did the Alanis Morissette. That's it was her boyfriend. Was guy. it the Alanis Morissette thing? Yeah. So so they say that may be a um 
That may be a rumor, an urban legend. Rumor has it. Rumor has it. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, let's talk about our first partner. Okay, go ahead. Oh, by the way, if you want tickets, uh, it's on the events page of our uh, web, uh, zenparentingradio.com, or on the show notes, or on your webpage. Actually, it's at kathycadams.com, it's isn't it? It's on Zen Parenting, too. It is on Zen Parenting. Yeah. Yay. Just go to events. So just go to events, and you can click on it and get your tickets, and then we send you a follow-up email saying that you have them. One more thing, Todd, before you talk, sure. is once you have ordered your tickets, you are on a list, and you just show up. Yeah. So we'll check you in. We'll check you in. So uh, John J. Kelly, he's our dentist. He does comprehensive dentistry. Um, he serves our entire family. He's very good at what he does. Uh, if you're interested in hearing more about some of the kind of special techniques he's equipped to do, uh, give him a call. He's a nice guy. 773-631-6844. The website is chicagodentistonline.com. And there's a ton of information on his website too. So, um, so our theme is for January is um, partners supporting partners. So we asked our audience to share a story about their partner having, having their, their back. back. Yeah. So here is our friend who did it. You don't know who it is. I don't. I haven't heard this. Here we go. Hey, Todd and Kathy. This is your buddy, Charles. Uh-huh. I wanted to tell you about a time when my wife had my back. We've been married for about four and a half years now. And I think it was in the first two years of our marriage when, you know, I would get really picky about the cabinet doors being shut. She has a habit of leaving them open. And um, that's kind of common in our marriage. Uh, Just little things that I'm a little bit more detailed about. And my wife, Teresa, is a little bit more lax about. And the thing that she did where she had my back was after a time when I was being picky and pointing this out, she... Uh, the next time I had opened up one of the cabinet doors, I saw that she had, on a sticky note, written a note to herself to remind herself to close it. And then when I went around the kitchen and opened the other cabinet doors, I noticed that it was like that for all of them. And this blew me away. And it was it's something I think of often uh, that really meant a lot to me. Um, and it just reminds me how um, how much she cares about me that she would you know, like write that little reminder to herself to do something because, you know, like she was really trying to get herself to change that habit of hers to please me. And uh, she definitely had my back in that situation. And I just wanted to share it with you guys. What do you think, sweetie? I, I don't know why that made me teary. It made me Are teary. you crying? <laughs> There's no crying. There's, There's no, no crying in cabinets. <laughs> I don't know why. I um I think because First of all, I love Charles. I do too. And for those of you who don't know who Charles is, a couple maybe a year ago now, he was our teacher and kind of helped us process through something that we were kind of maybe not sharing both sides about. Well, it had What were we yeah, talking it about? It was kind of Oh, it was about the Hobby Lobby yes. thing. And I obviously had a very strong point of view and what he and my point of view didn't change, mm-hmm. but what he did is he helped me understand His point th- of the view. other perspective, which was really helpful. So we have opposing points of view on something, yet we remain friends. Is that <gasps> crazy? That is. So what about the cabinets? Well, I think that the reason I find that touching is I think what that demonst- what that says so loudly and obviously why he remembers it and thinks of it is that she listened to him mm-hmm. and instead of fighting and saying, well, you do all these things wrong or this is too small, I don't care, you shouldn't care, she said to herself, you know what, this is something that bothers him so I'm going to practice 
um, closing these. And the way that I'll remember is I'll put these sticky notes and that is very touching. Yeah. And that's the thing, everybody, is it's the little things. Little things are the big things. It's not about saying I'm going to buy you this or I'm going to, you know, make this huge grand gesture. It's these little things that, you know, in this situation, help Charles know that he was being heard. That's love. Yeah. And and it wasn't about perfection. It's not like he's not going to wake up tomorrow and maybe see an open cabinet. But the fact that she's making the effort is really probably all that he cares about. Exactly. And I know some of you will go, well, you know, I know some of you are thinking, well, it shouldn't be a big deal or, but why, if it is to him, right then it's something we listen to. If everything is a big deal, then there's another discussion that needs to be had. But if someone, if you have a partner who walks in the kitchen and it drives them crazy when all the cabinets are opening or are open. Remember that part in um, Sixth Sense? Is it Sixth Sense where the mom turned around and all the cabinets are open? I do. Do you know that there was one scene in The Sixth Sense that I, you know how we talk about scary movies get stuck in my head. It's that scene. It's a kitchen scene. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's when the kitchen cabinets. I know, but isn't there then a person in the kitchen that he can see? There's like a, there's a, it's not just that the cabinets are open. There's something, it's, he wakes up in the middle of the night and he goes in there. In Gosh, the middle of the night. I, I can't remember, but I just know that that movie had a few scenes. You mentioned just a while ago. Do you think JC would like that movie? And I think it's too scary. I didn't say that. Yes, somebody did. No way. That's that movie creeped me out. That movie creeped me out too, in a good way. It's one of the only movies that I've ever heard uh, that really surprised me. I know because we saw it early. Did we see that together, um, or was that before? I think we saw it together, but I don't know. Yeah, because I think we saw it super early where we really didn't know what happened. I remember I was building a lawnmower when I put that, when I watched that movie. Then I wasn't with you. You were with Shane. I was with Shane. I was assembling a lawnmower. And that's the first time you saw it? And the lawnmower was so uh, low, your hands needed to be where your knees were. I remember it wouldn't have been easy to push. (laughs) Um, But that was the first time you saw it on TV? You didn't see it in the theater? Um, I saw it in the theater. I did not see it. I don't think I saw it in the theater. Maybe that was the second time you saw it because um, this is important. Yeah, this is important information <laughs> for us to figure out. Um, that was that, – those applause are for Charles. Thank you, Charles. we love Charles. All right, let's get into the gist. Okay. Um, so shifts and connections. Do you want me to start out with a question or do you want to start no, talking? I want to start talking and then we'll go to the question. I want to start talking because something that um, I run into quite a bit and I know Todd does too – is when people ask us questions either for the show or during a presentation or whatever it may be, the question always starts with some kind of form of how do I get my child to change doing something or how do I say something to my child so they change their behavior. And a lot of times um, the focus is on that moment. I want to change their behavior. What do I say? Tell me what to do. Tell me how to do it so I can make this shift. Right. The problem is is that it's it's bigger than that meaning it's not you can't change things with your child in that instant it's a process of connecting and what Todd and I started talking about this weekend you have to focus on building the relationship first that will change the outcome of what you say to your child and what they respond to. Right. It's not about that moment. Right. It's bigger. Right. And I that's the hardest part 
in teaching this kind of stuff or talking about conscious parenting or self-awareness. Because we want answers that work immediately. Everybody does. Everyone's like, okay, so great. You're a parenting person. So what do I do and blah, 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 blah. I can maybe give you a few things that'll help in that moment potentially, Mm -hmm. but it's bigger than that. The reason your child is responding in a certain way is because that is the relationship that is going on in that moment and overall. They are trying to communicate something to you about how they feel and what they're experiencing when they're interacting with you. And if you are not aware of their, that behavior is communication, then you're constantly going to be trying to fix the behavior as if it's something broken rather than recognizing they're trying to talk to you. Right. And it's not like, again, it's not about just that moment. Something that um, is, is I think, helpful in this discussion is something that Stephen Covey uh, taught Todd and I and many other people in the world is something called an emotional bank account. Again, we've referred to this on the show several times, but it's worth saying again. An emotional bank account means that when you are in relationship with someone, you want to make sure that you are giving more than enough deposits so when you make a withdrawal, it doesn't affect you, – you don't get to a point where you're bankrupt. Right. So how does that look? What are we trying to say? Every day, are you experiencing having opportunities – are you putting your... Are you making deposits or withdrawals? Thank you. You're welcome. I, w- I was going in a circle. Yeah. I was getting lost in my words. Are you putting in love and noticing and listening and allowing your children and your partner, are you seeing them? Right. And letting them know you see them. So when you're having a bad day or you you know yell and you didn't really want to yell or you're um, saying something to them that they may have a difficulty hearing, that it's a slight withdrawal, but the emotional bank account is so full right. that they have the tolerance right. to deal with it. It's all good. But if you are constantly making withdrawals, every morning you're yelling at them, every night you're frustrated with them. Every time they ask for something, you give them a big lecture about why they shouldn't want it. And maybe I'm being too severe here, but that is your overall. Mm. Then every then when you are trying to ask them to do something different or tell them to stop, their bank account is so low right. that they can't hear you. So let's um, – because I want to read this listener's question okay. because I think it, it is related. Now, okay. we're not saying that what you just said has to do specifically with – what this listener is experiencing. So okay. I, I just want to be cautious. Like it like, just so happens. What I said is not just yeah, about this right. person. Okay. So hi, Kathy and Todd. Love your show. The first podcast I listened to was Preserving Your Marriage Through Many Meltdowns. And I love that your approach to self-awareness and working through marital issues is completely in line with what we're learning through our amazing marriage counselor. On parenting advice, however, I have not yet come across the information I'm needing to work with our sometimes very challenging five-year-old. He is strong and independent boy who, when tired or bored, becomes very defiant, argumentative, and sometimes dangerous to himself or his little sister, pushing and tripping while they're playing. Recently, he started saying no regularly and completely going against our directives to not do something. Sounds like a typical Mm five-year-old. Anyways, how do you approach this kind of situation in a loving, not shameful and punishing way, but clearly drawing boundaries and expectations for how our household works and how we treat each other. When I Google defiance and mindful parenting or something along these lines, I'm coming up with either default timeouts or something like discussing dangers with your child. However, if discussions with him were working, I wouldn't be writing to you. 
He knows what appropriate treatment of others looks like, but he clearly doesn't seem to care in the moment. I'd appreciate any help. Um, so I feel like that's kind of connected to what we're talking about in that, um, first of all, I think it's very connected. I just didn't want her to think that what the you show were, was all about. Yeah, her, right. I think what is most important is she kind of already has – she already said the answers. She said when he gets tired or bored, mm-hmm. he starts to interact in a way that is negative. My first response is don't, don't the rest of us? Right. You know? And that's – and reason that's important is not necessarily to say, okay, let him off the hook because he's tired and bored. He gets to do that. But to have an understanding of his behavior mm-hmm. is communicating the way he's feeling inside. Right. So what that means is in times when he is not tired or bored, to have those kind of discussions, maybe before bed or in the morning when he's feeling really good, say – When he's full. When he's full, you have discussions about sometimes, you know, when you get really wiped – um, some of your choices aren't as great. Does that make, you know, start start having those talks with him so he can start connecting those dots. Because probably what's happening in this situation and most others is you're having these discussions when the behavior becomes yeah. negative. He's already gone. He's gone. He can't hear Forget you. Forget it. He, and he's five. He's five, A. Yeah. B, he's so lost in his own feelings, if it be anger, sadness, boredom, being tired, that he, the whole kind of act of, wanting him to understand exactly what you're saying and not do what he's doing, he's trying to say to you, but don't you see how I'm feeling? Mm-hmm. So there needs to be that like in between where in that moment you need, you know, like the, the question is, well, then what do we do right then? Maybe it's to remove him from a situation or say, instead of focus on a punishing discipline thing, how about, hey, bud, I know it's your trip and your sister. I know that you might be wiped. You want to just take a rest, mm-hmm. take a nap? Like, I think our focus so often is if our child does something wrong and we don't somehow yell at them or make them feel bad about it, we're not doing our job. Right. And that is the misunderstanding right. is that by saying to a child, I see what you're doing and this isn't okay, but let me offer you some other things that you can do to help you feel better so that won't happen again. Right. The baseline understanding is that your kid is inherently good. They don't want to hurt other people. But when they get to a point where they're exhausted, bored, feel unheard, depleted, angry, that's that's their feelings coming out in behavior. So instead of us trying to make them feel more crappy about it, it's saying, wow – this is the time when I'm going to help you with tools so you don't make these choices when you feel this way because we can't keep them from feeling angry. Mm-hmm. They are going to have anger experiences the rest of their life. Right. So our goal, our our support system as parents or what we're trying to offer as parents is to give them tools to make a different choice. I'm angry. Maybe I shouldn't be with my sister right now. I think that's a very valid choice. Like even with you and I, if I am angry – I am dangerous. Mm-hmm. And I Just don't like the rest of us. Exactly. And when I say dangerous, I don't mean like violence. Yeah. I my words may not be exactly what I want to say. My my choices may not be great. So maybe that's not the best time for you and I to have a deep talk. Mm-hmm. I need to deal with the way I'm feeling first and then I can come back when I'm in a state of calm. And then we can have a real talk. So here's what's going to happen is let's say Julie, well I I don't. I said her first name. Okay. But I don't say. I have to say her last name. Takes our advice. Okay. And it doesn't work. No kidding. It's not going to work no, the first time. It doesn't work the first. You got to do this. 
and you got to play with it. You got to do it over and over and over. And this is what I'm talking about, the connection versus the shift. The way I like to describe it is you need to make these small shifts. So whatever decision you make on how to address your the dis, you know the behavior of your five-year-old, um, you're going to have to do that. And then you're going to modify it and then modify it again. But these are little shifts that you are making to try to help him um, not display this behavior. So instead of focusing on my child is tripping somebody, how do I get him to stop? The focus is how can I engage my child in conversation, make sure he feels heard, make sure he feels valued so he doesn't want to make the choice to trip anybody. It's like we got to back up and say, how can I give him other, you know, make sure that he can communicate what he's feeling and give him other, um, potential outcomes here so he doesn't have to trip someone to demonstrate the way he's feeling you know give him and the one thing that i love is the opportunity to give my children control of their own lives Mm -hmm. meaning to offer them choices to say what do you think we can do what would you rather do what would you you know what do you right now you're feeling so angry what would feel good to you like instead of us thinking we have all the answers for our kids They aren't a computer program. They're a human being, and they have some pretty good insight to who they are. And so every once in a while- Even if they're five? Absolutely. Even if they're three, even Mm -hmm. if they're two. And again, it's all relative to their development. You know, we don't say to a two-year-old, you know, where should the family go on vacation? I mean, obviously, you guys have to have some common sense with this. But you know what I did say to my two and three-year-old? What do you want to wear today? Mm -hmm. What feels good to you? Mm -hmm. You know, know, which jacket do you want to wear? Give them some choice. Because a lot of times the feeling of frustration and acting out is also that feeling that they don't have freedom. That no one is recognizing what they're trying to say or what their needs are. And So some parents may say, well, my kid just has to deal with being bored. Boredom is a part of life. True. You don't have to keep your kid entertained all the time, but you can acknowledge, I see that you're bored. I hear that you're bored. Boredom's hard for me too. What do you think you could do when you feel bored? Mm -hmm. Do you see the difference between trying to alleviate that feeling and trying to validate that feeling? Two totally different things. Alleviate is that permissive kind Mm -hmm. of uh, helicopter parenting. I have to keep this from happening. Acknowledge is that conscious place where you say, that's a normal feeling. It doesn't mean that I'm going to fill every gap for you. But I am going to acknowledge that boredom is normal. Yeah, it's one of those things where I just feel like you need to – we just so, so often want quick fixes and parenting isn't a quick fix thing. And there could be things that you just said that she tries that work and there's some things that don't work, but just keep making these small shifts and figuring out other ways and know that. Uh, and the other thing I was going to say is if you come at a place, if you meet his anger with your anger, it's not going to forget it. Yeah. So the first step is always self-care. You need to be in a place to help your son. So can I back up even sure. a little more? Um, because we were focusing on the specific issue at hand and what what I was talking about before. <laughs> about, get it? I, I, the back up. Back up. Beep, 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 beep. Okay. Um, what we were talking about before is build the relationship way before any behavior occurs. Yeah. And what I mean by that is how often when your son walks in the room, are you just giving him random hugs? Right. Just out of the blue. Yeah. Just Or how often when he wakes up, when he walks downstairs, do you look him in the eye and say, it's so good to see you? And and she may be doing it all yeah, the time. I'm not, I'm not um, pointing fingers at yeah, her. This is more saying, general. This is general. But what I'm saying is feed, put deposits in 
consistently. Mm-hmm. Give and, – and it's not – okay. It's not false praise. It's not about telling your child they're good at something they're not good at. It's not about telling them that they're, you know, they're, that they're great all the time. It's not false praise. It's real heartfelt feelings. Yeah, because you do love them and you do want to express that love. Exactly. Them. So it's not saying you're the best soccer player out there. You're better than everyone else. That's that's not what but I'm talking about. You can say about. it's so good to see you this morning and smile. Exactly. Because who doesn't feel that way about their child? Yeah. And if you can't get that up, for lack of a better way to say it, yeah. then that's the self-care piece. Right. If you don't feel like you have any room to offer your child some just unsolicited love occasionally where you just give them a hug or when they walk in the door, you're there to greet them or when they're going to bed at night, you lay down with them and talk to them. If you don't have room for that, that's your work to fill yourself up so you have something to give. Right. So you got to even back it up further, practice some self-care, acknowledge what you're not getting because we can't give what we don't have. So if you are feeling unseen, unheard, unvalued, you have no time for yourself, you don't feel like you know, you're taking care of you, that's where you start. Right. See how far back this goes? It's not about that moment. Right. It's about all these pieces and as Todd keeps saying, when the little shifts start occurring, the behavior isn't the same. I'm not saying he won't ever break a rule again. I'm saying the reaction to it will be different. Maybe it will be less volatile. Mm -hmm. Maybe your communication with him will be less, um, you know, he'll hear you quicker. And I can't even predict how it'll look because it's present time. It, you know, it's different in every situation. Do you know what I mean by that? I do. Like it's not a, a math equation. Well, and every kid's different. Every moment, personality is different. Every mood that you're in, depending on what mood he's in, is different. So, like, it's um, it's fluid. Yes. And you need to um, deal with the with the situation in wherever you are presently. And the only thing you have control over is the energy you are bringing, and in the moment that behavior is occurring, and also throughout your time with your child. And that doesn't mean you always have to be in a good mood and do everything perfectly. It means you need to be human, acknowledge what you are responsible for, which is taking care of yourself, and also acknowledge that what your child needs from you is to be seen, heard, and valued. So instead of trying to do that in the midst of negative behavior, try and do that in your relationship, you know, occasionally throughout every day. You know, I wrote a... uh, a blog, and I think it's in my book too, about that one of my favorite things to do is to hug my kids and Todd during the day. I don't do it all the time. I'm not like an annoying, like, you know, it's not for me. (laughs) (laughs) But why I do it is because when I have that moment where I look at Todd and he's working hard or he's doing something, I like to hug him and like kind of stop that moment. And I don't even have to use words, just let him know that I see what you know. I see what you're doing. I love you, and I'm enjoying this moment. It's another deposit. It is, and I do that with my girls, and you know, with friends that I see throughout you know throughout the week. And though that's me. Mm. Now you may not want to do that. Yeah, everybody has their own different thing. But we can all find our things instead of being on autopilot, because too often we're going through the day on autopilot, and we recon- and we're not connecting. Right. We're not building a connection. Well, there are two resources. Uh, there's one resource that I want to give. If if by chance you're wondering about what our philosophy is on timeouts, we're not going to give it here because we just did it about 15 episodes ago. 
uh, 15 episodes ago, sendparentingradio.com slash 195. The name of the title of our podcast was Our Timeouts Hurting Your Child. So I don't even remember what we said on that, but I bet you it's spectacular. <laughs> um, so if you're interested in that, uh, check it out. And then a completely different – do you want to say anything else before we move on? I don't think so. Completely different resource that we just came across, sweetie, is Channel One News. Oh, yeah. And guess who showed us that? Our daughter. Our daughters. So there's something called Channel One News, and it's online, and this comes right from their website. We believe that uh, news sparks important conversation between family members and serves as an important daily touch point for dinner or breakfast conversations. If you're looking for ways to talk to your kids about what's happening in the world – our news programming developed specifically for young people are great news resources for parents. And you know, uh, JC was showing me some of the videos from last week, because I guess they show this to them at school too, Todd, so it's a school resource, is that they do a good job saying what's happening in the world without a lot of drama and without a lot of fear. It's very matter of fact, like you know, last week was what it was, and you know the issue that occurred and was bigger than an issue, but the tragic event that occurred in France, they spoke to it and explained it without making it something that hyper. I don't know. Their their point is not to get ratings, yes, which exactly. is what regular it's news stations are trying to do. They're trying to just offer what the news is, and so. It talk about sparking a conversation. Yeah. You know, we're talking about freedom of speech and you know what you know terrorists do because of their own fear and. So I have never heard of this before, yeah. but it's channel one o n e dot com. So if you have somebody, I don't know what age is. It's probably from middle schoolers. Like I don't know. What do you I think? I think Cameron watched it too, but I could be wrong. She's in fourth. But I just, middle school's good because I'm I, I'm somebody who likes to stay informed, and I've said on the show many times. I just listen to my twenty two minute Brian Williams podcast every night. Uh, because there's a, a, some other people that just keep news channels on all day, every day, and I don't know how you can't get depressed if you do that. Well, because it's not real news. I'm not saying the events they're talking about didn't occur. I'm saying they're offering it to you in a fear-inducing, stay tuned or else you're going to die kind of way. Right. They're trying to keep you tuned in to their station. Right. So it's not in your highest good. Right. It's not in your best interest. But when you that's why like Todd said he listens to Brian Williams. I mostly just look at headlines of newspapers when I'm in the coffee that's shop. As close as you come. That's all I need. I mean and daily show, of course. Love and John Stewart might end up going away. I can't talk about it. La 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 la. Um, our second partner is Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Their number is 630-941-8733. Uh, Dr. Kelly adjusts our family uh, twice a month, and she does an amazing job. So if you um, are into chiropractic, give Dr. Kelly a call. That's uh, chirotree.com. And you know what? I don't know, you know, because you're right, that John Stewart may leave The Daily Show, his contract's up in 2015, but maybe he'll do something else, like what John Oliver's doing. Maybe he'll do a one-week... I just hope somebody else who takes his spot um, is good, but I, just, I can't see anybody well, being as good as he is. Well, last summer when he was gone filming yeah, that John movie, Oliver John did Oliver did a great job. He so did a great job, but he didn't do as good as John He's Stewart. just not John Stewart. Right. Um, so... Anyway, I was going to say something else about the – oh, you got to look up Brian Williams on 30 Rock and listen to him because he's funny. All he's right. on a few episodes of 30 Rock. That's hilarious. He did – he hosted Saturday Night Live and it was great. I know. He was so funny. So you ready for our second question? And we can't spend as much time on this one because okay. we're already 35 minutes in. But um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this lady's name, so I won't. So don't. <clears throat> yeah. I'm wondering if you have any comments in regard in regards to putting your own needs ahead of your children's. 
I realized that I was in an emotionally abusive marriage. Funny how you can be completely unaware. And asked my husband for a divorce in August. My two daughters, ages five and six, and I moved from Japan to Tennessee in October. And though they've adjusted about as well as I could have hoped, I still feel a lot of guilt about feeling as though I put my needs ahead of theirs. They're having to grieve the loss of their family unit and are having to spend the next seven months away from their dad while he finishes work in Japan. And I'm not sure how to talk to them about what happened. They are very aware that it was my decision, thanks to comments their dad made to them, but they may, but they just think we fell out of love. I know I made the best decision for my, for my own emotional and mental health, and I think it was the best decision for my children in the long run, but it's hard to see, but it's still hard to feel peace about putting my needs ahead of theirs. Thanks for the podcast, blah, blah, blah. I guess my first question would be, did she really do that? Because to me, if you were in an emotionally abusive situation, then you're doing that for the entire family. Exactly. Because that's you not did good this for anybody. For herself, and she did it for her two daughters. Of course, it started with you because you recognized that you were in pain or that you were feeling all those things in any kind of, you know, whenever someone is Yeah, she needs you. a reframe. Yeah, there's a definite paradigm shift in the way she's looking at that because if you as a parent... How, how, much, how much are you going to help your kids if you sit inside of an emotionally abusive marriage? Because then they're watching that that's how women are treated. Right. And if they're boys or girls... If they're boys, they're learning that's how women are treated. And if they're girls, they're they're accepting that as normal. Yeah. And so I don't think you did do it just for you. You were the you were the catalyst for the change. Right, but it wasn't just for her. No. And yeah, you definitely need a reframe and I also think that because children are children and they're, you know, they're not fully mature and they haven't had enough life experiences. Of course, they are probably angry about it and upset about it. And you can acknowledge and validate those feelings because from where they are right now, that's very real. But that doesn't mean that you are necessarily apologetic about your choice. You just validate the way they feel about it because any family breaking up is tragic. It's going to create sorrow. I know adults whose parents you know, divorce. Mm -hmm. And the and even the adult children yeah. are just completely so was, blown away so by it. So you're a 30-year-old man and your parents get divorced when they're 60. That's, that's still devastating. devastating. So you can understand that your children are struggling with that and that's okay. Like yeah. that doesn't the mean world your choice got rocked, was wrong. But the world got less rocked in the long run by making the decision she made. In the long run, you created a sense of stability so they could be more grounded in their life as they grow. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, the, you know, I'm doing a little gardening analogy, but the soil they would have been potted in, they would have been growing from a place where things were very disruptive and uncomfortable and um, abusive. Yeah. You know, I'm just going off of the words you're using. Yeah. Uh, and um, that's not a place to be potted. Right. Um, so instead, what they're seeing is... Um, I love my mom. I love my dad. Because again, as we always say in divorce situations, even if their dad is saying things to them about you, you don't need to do that. Right. You can say it was my choice. It wasn't right for me, but that's your dad. And of course, I understand you love your dad. Yeah. I mean, you, we have to give them the space to love the other parent because that is half of who they are. Are you ready for a tournament of bad, sweetie? Sure. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. Here comes bad news, talking this and that. 
Sweetie, why is this in the tournament of bat? Well, Todd and I, last night while watching the Golden Globes, recognized that this song was used in like three different commercials. And that's after experiencing having this song used in every school, you know, slideshow. In every school function for every dance show. This this song is awesome in that and it's Pharrell great. Williams is awesome. He is. The theme is great. It's not that the song is bad. It's that we got to kind of let this one fade out. Yeah, we got to let it go away. <laughs> yeah, I'm sick of it. Well, and even my girls are sick of it. Yeah. They were sick of it six months ago. And it's too relevant. It's too low-hanging fruit to put in a slideshow. Yeah. Or, you know, it's just... <laughs> You just hear it too much. Well, and so let me say this again. It's not about Pharrell Williams. It's not about the song. It's that sometimes we just keep it going a little too long. Like if if we could like get away from the song for a little bit, then we would probably love it again in a few months. But oh my gosh, it's in like every advertisement. So it is a tournament of bad. It is officially. Um, And then my last thing, you thought that you're going to get away without hearing my uh, suggestions. So, for the last month or so, I've been giving uh, money suggestions because I'm reading this really good book called Money Master the Game. And it's by a guy named Tony Robbins. So, I'm going to keep this short and sweet. You ready to hear a quote from Warren Buffett, sweetie? Cannot wait. I actually love him. I know. Everybody loves him except his granddaughter. I know. That's (laughs) not a good story. Maybe maybe they patched things up. They might have. They might have. Let's just assume they did. Okay. Um, The goal of the non-professional, which is you and I, Mm -hmm. as far as money management, should not be to pick winners. A lot of us try to pick good stocks or good mutual funds. kind of like gambling. Neither he nor his helpers can do that, but rather to own a cross-section of businesses that in aggregate are bound to do well. A low-cost SMB index fund will achieve this goal. So what this is about... You, this just, is, you just spoke in a different language. This is my soapbox. You possibly have mutual funds in your retirement account. And mutual funds, I used to think were a really good thing. But what I have realized over the years and specifically in the last few weeks that they're so like when you get your 401k and there's a salesman that shows up at your company and says these are the pool of mutual funds you have to choose from what i understand about mutual funds now is that 96 percent it's 96 you're with me i'm with you of actively actively managed mutual funds fail to beat the market over any sustained period of time so in other words uh, an index fund is uh, a, basically a basket of stocks like the s&p is um, a basket of stocks that just mirrors the marketplace. Got it, got it. And nobody has to decide what stocks to put in there. Whereas a mutual fund, you're paying a guy or a girl to pick the best ones. Well, 96 of those mutual funds do not do better than the in, than the index funds. And the biggest bummer about it is that the mutual funds cost a lot of money. Right. And it end up costing you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. So my challenge to my audience is ask if you're the money person in your family or maybe your spouses. Hopefully it's both of you together. Hopefully it's both of you together. Check to see if you have any mutual funds in there. And if you do, switch it over from from a mutual fund over to an index fund because in the long run, it's going to save you a ton of money. I like it. I yeah. like it. That makes sense to me. And But you know what I think why people do mutual funds, Todd? What? Is I think people like to gamble, yes. meaning, and I'm, I'm using the word gamble in a big way, right. meaning that I think people like to think they have this control right. and that I'm going to choose this and win the lottery and this is going to make the most money and look how I chose this. And a lot of times when we just invest our money in something safe, it doesn't give us that adrenaline rush. From 1993 through 2013, the S&P 
average return is 9.28%. So if you did an S&P index fund, mm-hmm. you get almost 10%. The average mutual fund investor made 2.54%, wow. which is a huge difference. So the statistics back up the claims, and the claim is get out of your mutual fund and get into an index fund. That's, cool. That's my advice. Was that too boring? No, I actually totally understand what you're saying. Oh, good. Um, I, you know, you at the end of the show. Are we at the end of the show? We're at the end of the show. You know show. how you always ask me for words of wisdom? Yes. I have some this time. Uh, let's hear it. Okay. So, you know. Uh, no, let's do words of wisdom after we do our promotion, sweetie. Oh, what is our promotion for my books? Uh, yeah. What, what do you get to sell? So we actually have three promotional things. Number one. Um, the, my books, uh, living what you want your kids to learn, the self-aware parent and the self-aware parent too, and get them on Amazon. You can get them, um, on my website, kathycadams.com. We also have, as we said at the beginning of the show, the mask you live in. If you want tickets for that, which I hope that you do, um, especially if you live in, you know, Chicagoland area, um, again, it's going to be in Elmhurst at the York theater. It's one showing one night, March 11th, one night only. Go to my website, kathycadams.com, to get your tickets. Um, I'm also going to be speaking at Parent University uh, here in Western Springs. I'm going to be talking about mindfulness, and I'm going to be talking about ending the screen addiction. And that is on Saturday, January 31st. And you have a men's retreat. Oh, I have a men's retreat, uh, February 27th through March 1st, I think. It's the last weekend in February. And we got a new guy signed up today, and we're moving Yay! right along. So, Well, then you don't have very many spaces open. No, there is not a lot of spaces open. So if you're interested, shoot me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com. Get that locked down. And you do not want to be... Don't be one of these guys. A man, a man without a hat. And why would we say that? Because we have the coolest... Um, hats that say BU on one side, which is the name of Todd and my company. It's a winter hat. And then on the other side, it says Zen Parenting Radios, or it says ZPR. And um, it's a great hat, and Todd wears it all the time, so he can tell you. I do. And um, if you want to buy one of those hats, go to my website, kathycadams.com. It's 20 bucks, right? 20 bucks, I think. Um, so yeah, so we have the hats to sell, too. And then if you ever shop on Amazon, go to our website first. It gives us a, a small percentage to help us do our promoting and our screening and things like that so uh, there's an Amazon search box on our webpage so just do your shopping but start with ZenParentingRadio.com doesn't cost you anything Uh, and then uh, lastly I'm going to pause this and I'm going to do this don't forget about our last partners Avid Company sweetie love Avid painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area 630-956-1800 and now I want to hear your words of wisdom okay so this kind of connects to both things that we talked about on the show today about planning roots and also about um, emotional bank accounts and making sure that we build um, our connection first. Love is not something we give or get. It is something that we nurture and grow, a connection that can only be cultivated between two people when it exists within each one of them. We can only love others as much as we love ourselves. Shame, blame, disrespect, betrayal, and the withholding of affection damage the roots from which love grows. Love can only survive these injuries if they are acknowledged, healed, and very rare. Did you write that? I wish. Who wrote it? I took that from Brene Brown. BB. Um, who I love dearly. I think it was from The Gifts of Imperfection, but I have this sitting around and I thought it kind of connected to what we talked about at the beginning and, and coincidentally what we talked about in the middle in regards to roots. Um, so you got to take care of yourselves first then whatever you have, you can offer to your children. And don't just wait until there's a negative experience. Offer it over, every, you know, daily 
you know, moment to moment experiences and you may find that there will be less negativity and less um, negative overt behavior. That's good, sweetie. You want to know my words of wisdom? Keep trucking. Keep trucking. All right. I like yours, but I like mine just a little bit better. Just a hint better. All right. We'll catch you guys next week. Adios. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you.